This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Happy Memorial Day weekend. My name is Lydia Cruz. I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And thanks for joining us for another episode. It is Memorial Day weekend. It's also another big weekend if you're a Star Wars fan. Solo, the Han Solo story is coming out this weekend. Uh, are you guys going to go see? I don't know if I'm going to see it this weekend. I definitely am going to go see it. Uh, the Han Solo kind of backstory has been one that's always fascinated me uh, ever since I was a little kid. You know, where did he come from and how did he get to, to the position in life he was in in the movies? And uh, my kids are at the age now where they can begin to enjoy that kind of stuff, although they themselves are not really Star Wars fans. They are into The Simpsons right now and, and South Park. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I probably will not. I haven't seen any. I'm, I've seen all the old Star Wars, but I haven't kept track of all these new That's ones. That's okay. You don't, I mean, you'll catch up eventually. Did you, yeah. you like the old ones, though? Yeah. You're a fan? Yeah, Han Solo is a fascinating character to me. You bring, you bring it up, Justin, because he's a great anti-hero hero. He's the guy that's sort of the reluctant hero, but always uh, sort of like the Tony Stark of Iron Man. You know, he's he's always good with a quick wit. So I'm excited to see this movie as I am any Star Wars movie. We had May the 4th earlier this month and you heard my full nerdiness come out. So that's exciting. <laughs> said uh, 81% of people polled said they plan on seeing it in the theater. It's probably good on a big screen, I would imagine. And the critics consensus is Quote, a flawed yet fun and fast-paced space adventure solo, a Star Wars story should satisfy newcomers to the saga as well as longtime fans who check their expectations at the theater door. Sounds perfect for a Memorial Day weekend movie, right? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Especially if you're having a cocktail while you're watching it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, what is going on else in the headline? Well, uh, interesting stuff. We've got a headline here called uh, Cocktails Made Out of Garbage. And uh, in our desire, <laughs> yeah, delicious, yummy, yummy. <laughs> Uh, fancy cocktails that are made out of garbage, and uh, uh, in an effort to reduce food waste, restaurants and bars are turning kitchen scraps into drink ideas. And the idea is bar programs with low-waste cocktails, also known as no-waste or closed-loop or anti-waste cocktails. And what they do is they use interesting ideas to harness the flavor of kitchen scraps. And a couple of examples that we found, the copper and corn, they use corn scraps such as the husk and corn cobs to infuse the vodka. Uh, They then uh, add Chardonnay to the cocktail and citrus and clarified milk. And they call it a milk punch, which is clarified, makes it shelf stable for at least a few weeks so that there are minimizing possibilities of spoilage. And the cream and the curds are traded back to the kitchen where they then whip them into ice cream that has a slight corn and citrus flavor uh, developed from the punch. So that really is a a full cycle where they're taking corn waste, turning it into a cocktail, and then having the milk scrapings come off after a few weeks to turn into ice cream and other delicacies from the kitchen. That's a full 360 return on that particular use of those products. Sounds much better than the headline make make it sound. I I would (laughs) drink that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, really detailed, well-thought-out flavor profiles, especially 
when it comes to green cocktails. That's right. Next, we found, uh, this is from just last week, United Airlines resurrects the classic Bloody Mary after social media backlash. And what happened here is, in an effort to upgrade and maybe create some logistics in their supply chain, United Airlines got rid of fresh tomato juice out of can and instead put on the plane Mr. and Mrs. T's Bloody Mary mix. And social media ripped them apart. Mm. They also got rid of Sprite, Zero, Jim Beam, Carvassier, and Amaretto off the flights. So uh, that, in addition to the tomato juice, they up, uh, upgraded all their menus and all these things. And after several weeks of just getting pounded by uh, social media, they brought back the classic, basic tomato juice because customers were asking for real, fresh tomato juice in their Bloody Marys, not just some pre-batched, pre-mixed stuff. Uh, so, you know, again, the airline industry continues to try to evolve to consumer taste, but also to try and save money. Uh, and they have very limited space on those carts. So uh, in an effort to go with that pre-batched uh, stuff, they also don't have to chill them and try to save time and space. But evidently the customers said no. You know, I was telling you off air that I, I had read something about this before, that it's kind of strange, but people seem to crave tomato ju- juice more on planes. And there is actually a science behind it. Uh, NationalGeographic.com says that Robin Dando from Cornell University says the high decibel level in the cabin interferes with how people perceive taste. So the palate registers sweets such as soft drinks less intensely, while the taste known as umami is heightened and people enjoy tomato juice more on a plane. Yeah, and I think people also like the texture. You know, tomato juice has a very um, thick texture to it. And people who drink tomato juice or V8 are drawn partially to that texture because that comes with kind of the idea that it's wholesome and fresh and real. Uh, the pre-mixed Bloody Mary uh, sauce of that particular brand that they brought on board is a little thinner. And uh, that lack of texture really changes how you drink the cocktail. And so I could see people pushing back if they are true Bloody Mary aficionados. Next article we found is a chemical engineer develops a hangover pill Mm -hmm. that can prevent alcohol poisoning. This is very interesting. This uh, professor, Yunfen Liu, is developing a hangover pill which contains the enzymes that are naturally found in our livers that allow the body to process alcohol. But his pill contains more enzymes, so it would allow the alcohol to metabolize at a faster rate. And uh, going through the article here, it talks about how the pill that they put in the mice that had uh, consumed alcohol, that they fed alcohol, this pill reduced the blood alcohol level in the mice by 45% in just under four hours. And the uh, result of that is that the mice slept better, they woke up better with less effects. The impact on the liver was much less because whenever you consume alcohol, there's a damaging effect to the liver, especially if you have a lot of alcohol at one time or regular intervals of lots of alcohol at regular times. Uh, It puts stress on the liver. So this uh, pill with the enzymes that are naturally occurring in the human body but are more, more concentrated in the pill, his theory is that it will help reduce liver damage and uh, less stress on the liver and also allow you to wake up with uh, less of a headache or no headache at all just by taking this pill. It's crazy, but yeah, it definitely seems like you wouldn't want people to take advantage of that. So they do say that they still want people to plan on drinking responsibly, but it's really interesting. Yeah, it's not an imitation. They go consume more, get drunk, Mm -mm. drunk behind the wheel, Um, but it is, in his theory, going to be designed to help minimize some of the negative effects on the body. Pretty impressive. And uh, lastly, I found this interesting little article, Suntory, which is a huge global brand. Suntory owns Jim Beam. Um, they own lots of Japanese whiskeys. Um, they are launching a clear, non-alcoholic beer packaged in a plastic bottle in hopes that it will be particularly popular with, guess who? Who? Office workers. What? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, as I read this, I thought, I cannot ever in my lifetime remember an incident where I thought to myself, man, I'm at work. I really could use a can of beer right now. And by the way, I want it to be clear. And oh, I want it to have no alcohol content at all. I'm not sure what is driving this. Now, this is going to be launched in Japan. Uh, maybe there's a desire for that. Maybe there's some kind of social thing tied to that at the office. Maybe people like the flavor of beer that has no alcohol. Um, it's going to be very interesting to watch to see if this gets uh, accepted by regulators over here and then how it gets incorporated into the distribution and retail system. And then most importantly, what the office policy is going to be because there are so many workplaces where alcohol just is not allowed. And yet, what kind of message does this send? Very strange. Not something I would have thought was a need. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. And it reminds me of the Clear Pepsi back in the 90s and uh, how long that survived oh, yeah. in the market yeah. because people just don't expect their beer to be clear. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It only made the comeback recently as sort of a nostalgic thing that people weren't really that nostalgic for. So. Yeah, that's right. Like Zima. <laughs> Coming up on Cast Club Radio, the U.S. goes through 500 million of these a day, and yet Seattle is going to ban them on July 1st. How will this impact the liquor industry? We'll explain. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much for being here. Now, the U.S., they go through 500 million straws a day. Just think about that number. That's pretty incredible. And yet, Seattle, the straw ban goes into effect on July 1st. So how is this going to affect people's everyday lives? How is it going to affect, in particular, the liquor, wine, and spirits industry? It's going to be rapid change coming. We've seen this in Seattle get enacted, and the deadline is fast approaching. Uh, California, they've introduced a bill that would require sit-down restaurants to uh, not give straws to customers unless the customer specifically requests a straw. Uh, if a waiter under that bill served the straw to a customer that did not request it, they could face up to six months in jail and a thousand dollar fine. What? Six months in jail for giving somebody a straw. That's a little over the top. That's a little over the top. Seems extreme, um, yeah. Uh, spirits companies are joined the fight, stating that there's no place for plastics and cocktails. Uh, it's kind of interesting because plastics are served in cocktails all the time. The straws and cocktails, for the most part, they are consumed daily in things that are not cocktail related. So big gulps. Think of the number of big gulps that are purchased at 7-Eleven mm -hmm. and the soft drinks at Circle K's and all the AMPMs and McDonald's. How many McDonald's are there that have straws in the paper wrapping that they give you for convenience while you're driving? A lot of people are using drive throughs not just at uh, McDonald's, but all the fast food restaurants. So Burger King, uh, Chick-fil-A's, on and on and on. Same thing with Starbucks. How many Starbucks are there that have drive throughs and uh, they use those plastic insert tabs to seal off the coffee while you're driving around. Interestingly enough, I was in Las Vegas this last week, and of course there are cocktail bars all over the place and uh, straws all over the place. Um, in the airports, we saw an advertising campaign called The Last Straw, and uh, it's been put up there to indicate that you can start to enjoy your cocktails without straws. So the, the industry is starting to kind of get behind that and push. There's some uh, alternatives being looked at, including bamboo. I saw one being proposed that was made out of noodles. 
out of pasta. Wow, yeah. So it was a straw in the shape of uh, regular straw, but it was made out of pasta. And the idea was that the alcohol itself wouldn't allow the the noodle to break down very quickly while you enjoyed your cocktail. Uh, there are some people who are trying to come up with a bamboo or wood. Uh, some people have tried to use metal straws. If you are not paying attention, you really can hurt yourself on that. This is going to be interesting to watch people navigate. And people do not understand the impact it's going to have McDonald's alone. These McDonald's uh, franchises are owned by individual people. They're not owned by the McDonald's corporation. So it's usually husband and wife team that own that. And they don't make a lot of money at the end of the year, if you uh, believe that. Uh, to f succeed in the franchise business in a McDonald's type environment, uh, you really need to own seven, eight, nine of those locations to get any kind of scale because the margins are that thin. And the cost of all this stuff is going to be thrust upon them. We're going to see more uh, cost increases for products being served, not just soda, but milkshakes and the iced coffees that they sell. And uh, we're going to see, imagine going to Dick's, how are you going to drink that um, thick chocolate milkshake without a straw? You're going to have to have a spoon. Going to have to have a spoon. Or some yeah. other device. Okay? Get creative. So this idea that we're going to go after plastic by attacking only straws, just here on the show right now, without even thinking about it, let's think of the other one-time serving things that are made out of plastic that are disposed of uh, within 24 hours or less of being used. Right, can, we, can we start that discussion? Are you yeah. Ready? Yes. Yeah. In in Seattle, I've noticed this. I don't know about you guys, but I I know that like at least my local grocery store uses all biodegradable silverware now, mm -hmm. which... Uh, yeah, I remember as a kid, you definitely always got plastic. You had even the individual wrapped fork knife spoon with uh, with a napkin yep. in there. But I know that yep. uh, some of the local places have moved to like all biodegradable containers, all biodegradable silverware. And I but I didn't even really think about straws because that's one of the ones that like you just it's kind of it, in the back of your mind. You just you don't really think about mm -hmm. it. It seems so small. But what about yeah, the lids. Yeah. So at mm -hmm. Starbucks, the plastic lids that are on those coffee cups, the plastic lids that are on the Coke and the milkshakes you get at McDonald's and Burger King, those are all plastic, those lids, single use. The uh, fork, knife, and spoon combo you talked about that's plastic in and of itself, mm -hmm. how is that packaged? In plastic. In plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In plastic, okay? A single use, tear away plastic cover, okay? Hotels, how many hotel rooms are now using the plastic key cards. Mm, yeah. Very true. All of them. Yeah. All of them. I, don't, I cannot remember a time where I've gone to a hotel in the last 10 years with a physical key. Okay. And those are designed for, you know, one night up to however long you're staying, but they get rid of those. They get thrown away pretty quickly. The plastic mini bottles for spirits, the 50 mLs like you'd have on the airplane or on the train, those are mostly plastic. Those are one time use in and out done. So I don't think that this ban of plastic straws is the end of where this is going, mm -hmm. but eventually it gets to a point where the other alternatives are not yet available in the market. And so regulators have to be cognizant of that before they thrust new regulations or laws on consumers and companies when no viable economic alternative might exist at that time. I remember a couple of years ago, I know Adrian Grenier from uh, from Entourage, uh, he threw out the first pitch of the Mariners game, mm -hmm. and he was here in Seattle to promote. He was really a big 
you know, proponent of this. He started his charity. I think it was called the Lonely Whale Foundation. And that at the time he got like 200 Seattle restaurants to commit to not using straws. And it was more of like an experiment at the time. Russell Wilson got in on it and took the challenge. And so it's been interesting to watch it grow from somewhat of a grassroots effort um, spearheaded by celebrities, I guess you could say, into to now a ban in, in the matter of just a couple of years. Yeah, and I'm not saying that banning straws is a bad thing. I don't like waste, and minimizing waste is good. But it will have to continue the evolution of other plastic things. How many plastic bottles of water do Americans go through every day? Just the you know regular 12 or 16-ounce glass uh, plastic bottle with the plastic caps. That has to go in a landfill somewhere or get burned up or chewed up or whatever. Is it going to be illegal to sell bottled water in Seattle soon? That would be crazy. Yeah. I know yeah, a lot of people have started carrying their own, you know, containers for that, but there's definitely still not a shortage in plastic water bottle sales. <laughs> no, that's right. But, you so know, we, we thought it was a big deal when we started switching from the plastic grocery bags, too. Absolutely. And now everybody's pretty used to that. So hopefully this will become something that, you know, restaurants find a way to shift to something that's a better alternative and we all get used to it yeah and as they say necessity is the mother of invention if there's anything that spirits wine and industry industry is is it's creative and we've seen so much of that evolution over the past couple of years so especially in this local environment i'm excited to kind of see what people come up with like you said you mentioned some of those straw options i'm kind of excited to see to see the alternatives people come up with. Best straw I had was uh, one that had been bored out of uh, sausage for Bloody Marys. Dimitri's Bloody Mary mix, Ooh. based in Seattle, makes wow. a uh, pepperoni straw for Bloody Marys, and it's packaged in. There's like ten or twelve of them in the package. It's a full-on pepperoni stick with a hole been drilled down the middle, and they use that as a garnish and the straw in the Bloody Marys, and it it's fantastic. There you go, create it right that. there, or you could just do like uh, Lydia did when she was I don't know six and use licorice. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we were talking earlier in the show about getting out to go see the new Star Wars movie. And you know that we would always encourage you here at Cast Club Radio to go somewhere where you might be able to enjoy an adult beverage with your movie. Coming up next, we're going to revisit an interview that we did with Mark Stern of Big Picture Theater. It's an amazing theater with a lot of history where you can also get a classic cocktail like a daiquiri or a Manhattan while you enjoy your movie. Owner Mark Stern tells us more about that next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we are joined by Mark Stern, owner of the Big Picture Theater, the first theater on the West Coast to serve alcohol. Mark, how did this idea come together? It was easy for me in one sense because I'm a third generation movie theater owner. And I also did promotions for nightclubs, uh, including The Limelight, which was in its day a pretty hip nightclub. So I learned a lot from the nightclub business, and I always felt that, well, I love owning movie theaters, so I know how popular having a cocktail is anywhere you go. Even a golf course serves cocktails. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, let's serve cocktails in a movie theater. And this was about 22 years ago. And my dad had a famous, uh, well-known, respected movie theater. And I wanted to buy the Wilmette Theater for my father. And he owned the property as well. So to make the numbers work, well, how would you pay for that? So liquor. This is 22 years ago. I called the mayor of Wilmette. And I said, hi, 
Mark Stern, I want to take the movie experience to a whole other level. And to do that, you have to serve liquor. And I want to apply for a liquor license. And the mayor, who uh, his title was village president, I said to him, so what do, you, what do you think about that? And he says, what do I think about it? I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> you will never serve a liquor in Wilmette. And you will also bring in an undesirable audience. And I'm going to make a long story short. He hung up on me. And, you know, I was much younger, 22 years ago. And I was like, okay, well, we're applying for the license anyways. Good for you. That takes a lot of a lot of people when they, you know, hear no, they aren't able to get over that barrier. No, no, it was, it was crazy because when we went to the meeting, they have an open forum where anybody can state their opinion at an open forum. Would it surprise you to know that not one person thought it was a good idea. And my wife, who had a big job with uh, one of Warren Buffett's many companies, left her career and joined me. We got in a little car, drove you know about 1,600 miles to Seattle, and proud to say we opened up the first theater to ever serve liquor on the West Coast. And now we do all these events, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Jerry Seinfeld comes there to screen movies, uh, every company you can think of. And in my opinion, not one of my customers is undesirable. (laughs) They're all desirable. There you go. Now you're being nice enough to ask me about big picture. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of cool that you even care to ask me about a company that almost didn't even exist? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a lot of what we'd love to talk about here is is people who are self-made, who have these great ideas, who have probably faced a lot of adversity in getting them off the ground and getting them started. So that's very impressive. I got to know, just from your own personal standpoint, since you have movie theaters in your blood, what is one of your favorite movies to see in the theater and or one of your favorite drinks to have while you're doing it? The favorite drink has to be the drink that we created that's featured uh, was featured several years ago in Entertainment Weekly, the Bogart That is taking fresh lime and sage, and you muddle that all up, and you put a splash of Cointreau in it, fresh lemon and lime juice, a big shot of Tangeray. You shake that up, and the complexity of the sage and the gin, it's a pretty unique drink. So I'll just say that's our go-to cocktail, and there's so many good movies growing up. I mean, you're talking about so many movies, but probably Lawrence of Arabia, <laughs> you know, David Lean, you know, that has to be a good one. Do you have to have the Bogart while you watch a Bogart film or an, and, no. okay, they, no. it's any, any film. And then do you have oh, other yeah. cocktails named after other actors? Uh, actors or movies like The Atomic Blonde inspired by <laughs> Charlize Theron. Um, yeah. Uh, Pretty Woman, of course, Striptease from... <laughs> Casino Royale, of course. The Super Manhattan, inspired nice. by Superman himself and the Steve yeah. McQueen. So I will tell you that um, I think we surprise a lot of people who come to a movie theater and we get a lot of compliments on our cocktails. So if you like a uh, Manhattan, you have to let me make you a Manhattan or we double strain our martinis and those are pretty good. So um I don't know. I think we've got some really good drinks. The out of this world old fashioned is is really good. So we make our old fashions with uh, high quality maple syrup instead of refined sugar. If that uh, helps. Uh, 
and orange uh, we have a apricot liqueur, high quality apricot liqueur that we put in. So we do these little ingredients that you know you wouldn't necessarily you know associate with a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like you're already a great bar that people just get the bonus of watching a film while they're there. I mean, these are great craft cocktails that they're enjoying, but they just get the bonus of, hey, I'm going to watch one of the latest films. You've already combined these two great things. Is there anything else on the horizon that you want to be a part of your business or do you really like the way that it is right now? I want to stay uh, focused on what big picture is and you know, it's all about the execution of the experience. You know, a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, uh, as customers, you don't realize, you know, you really, you know, you want to be on top of your game to execute what you might think is easy. It's really, you know, it's like a dance. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, tell our employees, you know, if you haven't done all these little things, it's almost like dancing with the stars at first. You know, you see people stepping stepping on themselves, but it takes time to really, you know, um, you know, train the staff to execute so that it's flawless, if you know what I mean, for your experience as a customer. So I just want to focus on what we're doing, and I'm happy to do that. So many customers come to Big Picture, and when they go to get their ticket, a lot of first-time customers say to us, all right, because they're seeing clearly this doesn't look like a theater, and they'll say to us, all right, how does this work? When you go to a multiplex movie theater and the usher tears your ticket, you don't say to the usher, how does this work? So right away, you know, we're setting a unique experience. So I think that was our goal. We never wanted you to walk in a big picture and see a movie theater. We wanted you to see something you, you know, just hopefully a nice experience, but you didn't recognize it as a movie theater was our goal. And I think we accomplished, you know, the mission. So you speak about seeing the smiles on people's faces and that being rewarding for you. I know, though, I've also read that you love to give back to the community in general and and, oh, and to thanks. serve the community and that you've done that with Big Picture. Can you tell us a little I, bit about your community service efforts? Because that is a really cool element of your business. Wow. Well, Thanks. Um, We had an opportunity because one of our employees suggested we do a fundraiser for Hurricane Katrina and the victims. And the uh, manager said, we should do something. And I said, well, we're never going to have enough time to do this. And I then told my wife about the idea. And my wife, Katie, looked at me and said, well, I hope you said yes. And I said, well, no. I, I said, no, it's too much work. And my partner is like, are you kidding me? We do events for a living. And uh, I just like was so ashamed of myself. And I quickly called up a studio and we booked a film, uh, The Big Easy, The Big Easy. Oh, we booked yeah. The Big Easy. And when I told the studio what we were doing, the studio waived the fee. And we had two theaters back then. We sold out both showings on two separate nights, and we gave 100% of the ticket sales and 100% of the bar sales to the American Red Cross. And if it wasn't for this manager telling me 
what to do. I never would have had this highlight moment in my career where not only do we do it, but then the American Red Cross gave us a certificate of acknowledgement and appreciation and power of yes. The power of yes. I like that. Plus, having great people around you Working with you also always helps, always pays off. So We have a great staff, so yeah. that's, that, that is another proud thing. We've had really great staff. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to chat with us, taking the time out of your busy schedule. And if people want to check out more information on The Big t- Picture, get tickets. It's thebigpicture.net. Yes. <laughs> have a great day. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if you need something fun to do this weekend, a great date idea, the big picture is your solution. You're welcome for that one. You will not regret it, and you have to try the truffle butter popcorn. So good. Coming up next, he's finally back. Distiller Dane has been gallivanting all around Europe on his honeymoon, and we can't wait to catch up with him, see how it was, and get his top five for the week. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're having a great Memorial Day weekend. And right now we are joined by one of our favorites. Distiller Dane is on the line making a return after after quite an adventure that you had in Europe, right? Yes, quite the adventure. I'm officially back in the States. <laughs> I'm also alive still Yay, and good. healthy. Good. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, we heard we heard that you got a, a new top five for us this week. Yes. I'm going to actually, I did so many fun things. It's a little hard to put everything on a list, but I'm going to do a top five about some of the adventures I had while I was gone. Love it. Uh, which is mostly focused around booze and food, which is not a bad thing. Never, never. The one on my list. Um, is it one of the coolest cocktail bars that I went to on my travels, uh, which I enjoyed a lot. And it's called Candelaria, and it's in Paris. When you first walk up to it, it's actually just a small square box room with maybe six seats at an open kitchen counter where all they do is make tacos and margaritas. <laughs> wow. And then you go through like a little, it would look like a chef's door to a back kitchen, and then you go in there, and it's actually like this nice speakeasy setup style of a bar. And when you go in, it looks kind of like a Mexico City wooden room with a whole tiki vibe going on. And they have this really nice curated cocktail list, which you full of mezcal and tequila as well. Um, but all around original cocktails and if you're just having a hard time trying to pick one out they actually have a spinning wheel on the menu that leads to <laughs> symbols for each cocktail so you can spin the wheel and i'll pick one for you that is really cool i have never heard of that before but seems brilliant number two on my list uh, for the rest of my travels, I made it over to the country of Italy, and I indulged in one of my favorite pairings every single morning, and that is croissants with cappuccinos. Mm. Croissants in Italy is an interesting concept, considering you had just left France. <laughs> it is. So in France, where I learned that was my first time there, they kind of separate their bakeries from their pastry shops, and all the bakeries tend to have the croissants, and they do the very traditional ones. They're very good. But when you go to Italy, the croissants are very different. And the number one on the list, which you don't find in most countries, which is my favorite, is the cream croissants. You can always get chocolate, you can always get almond or Nutella, but no one else says the cream croissants. You got to go for them. Mm, sounds like a, like a breakfast dessert. <laughs> I may have packed on a few pounds. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three. Uh, Number three, dwelled into some of my other favorite foods, or one of my favorite toppings for food, and I went to the birthplace of pesto and focaccia bread, uh, which is in Cinque Terre, which is a little small Riviera town. 
five small cities. Um, they actually make their pesto a little bit different than some places. So they actually make it with half cow cheese and half sheep cheese. So Parmesan and Pecorino gives it a nice little taste. The birthplace of Akasha, simple bread. All they do is put olive oil and salt on it. And I could eat it for days, and I did indeed. <laughs> oh, man. The uh, Chikatera is famous for the hike between the five villages. Did you do that hike? Oh, yeah. Some of the trails are shut down from um, some flooding um, and hill slides from a while ago, but you can hike through about half of it. Wow, cool. So you can work off all of the uh, <laughs> of, of the carbs that you've eaten. That's perfect. What's number four? Uh, number four is a cool bike tour company that I met, and this is in the city of Parma, and it's called Bike Food Stories, and it's run by a guy named uh, David, and he curates his own bike rides around the city and the countryside around there. Um, to really kind of show you the area. It can be kind of more of a historical tour, but he's also really into food. And he travels around and shows you, trains you and gives you knowledge of the local food and wine in the area too. So it's gonna be a simple little casual bike ride. And I kind of had my conversion of kilometers to miles off and it ended up being about a 32 to 36 mile bike ride. Wow. Um, <laughs> in the, the hot blazing sun. But uh, in the end it was worth it because he brought us to a brewery called Panil Brewery on the countryside. And it's the oldest brewery in Italy that's also been making sour beer. Wow. It's not like the sour beer in America. It's a little bit different, but they do blonde sales and Belgian sales. And they actually do two very unique things there. So they're aging them in huge used uh, red wine barrels as well as balsamic vinegar barrels, uh, which is very unique. So you said it was a 26-mile bike ride? No, 32 to 36 miles. 32-mile bike ride. And was it a bike with gears or was it like just a basic bike? It was a bike with gears. Okay. All right. Really? <laughs> All right, number five. Number five. I finally been watching Chef's Table for a couple of years now, and I finally made it to my first uh, Michelin star restaurant and did this in Rome, um, and it was called Il Pagliaccio. And we actually got a lunch reservation. I didn't make any reservations prior to going, so I luckily got into a place. So we thought we could only do a lunch course. And after watching the show, I always thought it was all these like little small bites of food. Uh, but when we got there, we found out we could do any of them. Uh, but I didn't know that, so I ate a whole pizza before I went there, and then ended up fulfilling a whole eight-course menu, which actually ends up being about 12 to 14 courses on the table. Wow. Nice. So you didn't pack on any pounds there either? <laughs> no. It's okay. The 36-mile bike ride. We talked about there's such a good balance here. How was it? Really I, had, I had to make up for it yeah. in, in both directions. What was, your, uh, what was your review of the restaurant as a whole? Um, I would say it was a good experience overall. I'd definitely give it like a five out of five stars. Um, it was definitely great to go to a place where someone kind of takes a very artistic side of food, really kind of like tells the stories or brings it out to you at the same time. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like an incredible trip. And man, we, I still don't understand how, how you came back here. It sounds like you just uh, could have had so much fun. You just stayed there. Well, I could have. You know why there. he came back? I decided. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad you came back. <laughs> Obviously, because heritage yeah. distilling distiller is, is a very important, fun job. <laughs> yeah, he came back because he yeah. had to get back to work. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome back, uh, Dave. Having some distilling withdrawals. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Well, since a lot of people will be going to see Solo, a Star Wars story this weekend, see the newest uh, installment in the Star Wars series, we've got a cocktail recipe that goes along with that theme. We do. It's called the Chocolate Chewy, and this uh, involves our BSB brown sugar bourbon, some chocolate milk, and a little bit of cinnamon sugar mix. Uh, pretty easy to make it. Uh, you get your glass and uh, get the edge wet, rim it with uh, cinnamon sugar concoction. 
put ice inside the glass and then just mix two ounces of BSB brown sugar bourbon and four ounces of chocolate milk. We call it the chocolate chewy. If you want to elevate the experience, you can swap out the chocolate milk for some of the chocolate stouts, some of the cold brew coffee, uh, chocolate milk combos that are out there in a can, even coffee with a splash of uh, chocolate milk. The better the chocolate, the better the, the flavor of the cocktail is gonna be. And uh, just because it's a Han Solo movie, don't drink solo, drink with friends. <laughs> oh, I love it, it's perfect. Well, as always, you can check out the recipe at heritagedistilling.com, where you can also download episodes of Cast Club Radio. You can also find them at cairoradio.com. Just click on the podcast tab and look for Cast Club Radio. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. We now have 38,000 followers on Pinterest, and the cocktails that they are finding and posting and sharing are just tremendous. and so we encourage you to go on Pinterest if you have a Pinterest account and look for Heritage Design and share what is your favorite uh, heritage item or cocktail. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And uh, if you're going to go to a Mariners game, stop by the BSB Lounge. And, of course, if you're in downtown Seattle enjoying the weather, make sure to check out our newest distillery and tasting room location in Ballard on the corner of Market and 20th. Yeah, it's right next to the theater there on Ballard. So you can uh, probably walk and see Solo there as well, walk between Heritage and that movie as always have an amazing weekend drink responsibly happy memorial day everyone we'll see you next week cheers thanks for listening to cask club radio brought to you by heritage distilling part of cairo weekends on cairo radio 97.3 fm check us out on mynorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes cask club radio brought to you by heritage distilling on cairo radio 97.3 fm